Hello, everyone. This is Father Bill Nicholas, and this is Faith, Hope, and History. Greetings and welcome, everybody. It is Friday, July 16th, 2021. Going backwards in history, it is on this day in 1969 that astronauts Neil Armstrong and Edwin Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins were launched aboard Apollo 11 toward the moon, and they would eventually be the first to set foot on the moon in perhaps the greatest achievement of the 20th century. It was on this day in 1925 that orator and two-time presidential candidate and attorney William Jennings Bryan died at the age of 65. This was also a gentleman who, who argued as an attorney in the midst of the Scopes Monkey Trial in favor of the creationist approach to the origins of humanity. And he died shortly after the end of that trial, and some believe that his experience in that trial led to his death. He would eventually be uh, uh, represented in a character, Matthew Harrison Brady, in the play Inherit the Wind. But it was on this day that William Jennings Bryan died at 65 years of age. On this day in 1911, dancer and movie star Ginger Rogers, born Virginia McMath, was born in Independence, Missouri. It was on this day in 2016 that Pope Innocent III died in Perugia. Pope Innocent is one of the great popes of history, one of the most powerful popes in history. Although he is not referred to as the great, he was an important figure at his period during his papacy. But also, it was on this day in 1054, not quite a thousand years ago, but 1054, that Cardinal Humbert de moyen Mortier stormed into the Hagia Sophia in Constantinople and laid a bull of excommunication against Serlarius, provoking what is called the Serlarian Schism. This would eventually also be a major factor in the split between East and West, the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Western Catholic Church. However, on December 7th, 1965, the Latin and Eastern Church formally apologized for each other's behavior and erased the action of excommunication. And to this day, one of the principal priorities of the Catholic Church, at least, is reunification with the East. And while we are not yet 1,000 years removed from that, 1054 is when this happened. 2054 will be the 1,000th anniversary. Who knows? Perhaps by then we will see a true healing between the Eastern Orthodox Churches and the Western Roman Catholic Church. But on this day, I'd like to talk a little bit about history. As this podcast is called Faith, Hope, and History, I want to touch a little bit on history today because we're seeing and hearing a lot in the current events references to things that occurred in history, particularly the history of the United States. Now, I don't want this to become a current events a podcast, and I don't intend it to become a political podcast, but it is among many of the political leaders that we see today references to historical events in order to compare and especially to discredit 
things that they oppose, and they speak in such extreme rhetoric. In some cases, even adding the line, this isn't hyperbole, this is true, which pretty much means it's hyperbole. Whenever they say it's not hyperbole, it is hyperbole. But they use these extreme examples of comparison when it comes to what they oppose, politically, socially, ethically, you name it. For example, in recent days, they are referring to developments in Texas and their voting laws as the worst threat to democracy since the Civil War. Now, I'm not going to discuss the pros and cons or the issue of the law that is being disputed in Texas and the law that has been disputed in Georgia. However, I do want to take issue with the fact that they take such an extreme example to compare this to. And it makes me wonder, A, do they even know what the Civil War was all about and what it entailed and what it did to this country? And if they do, do they presume the rest of us don't? And in many cases, they may be correct because so few people are knowledgeable of history. But I take exception to the comparison of something to the Civil War, because look at what the Civil War was. Look at what it did, but also look at what it accomplished. They describe this as something bad and compare it to the Civil War as something bad. So in a nutshell, they're basically saying the Civil War was bad and catastrophic for this country, a threat to democracy. And was the Civil War a pleasant experience? Obviously not. But what did the Civil War accomplish? It accomplished the abolition of slavery in this country. It accomplished the end of slavery in this country and the emancipation of the slaves. It had a very good outcome. Now, the threat to democracy that they are referring to in the Civil War was caused by pro-slave Southerners who wanted to keep the institution of slavery intact so they completely broke away from the Union and seceded state by state. And the Civil War, caused by the issue of slavery, was a war to bring those states back into the Union, denying the assertion that they had a right to secede, but also, ultimately, to bring about the abolition of slavery, the existence of which could not be if this country was going to continue on into the future. Last week I spoke about how the Civil War made us an is and gave us an identity of a single nation, whereas prior it was considered that the United States are in terms of being a collection of independent states. But as our mentality and as our frame of reference as a nation was evolving and developing, because of the principles on which this nation was founded, we could not evolve and develop in our conscious approach to this nation as being a single country. The United States is if slavery remained intact. And so, the Civil War accomplished that. And these people are speaking of it as if it was something bad. Are they saying that the abolition of slavery was bad? Or are they simply saying that the secession by those who wanted to keep slavery intact was bad? Either way, it was bad for the pro-slavery side. 
It wasn't an altogether good thing for this country, but without it, we would not have seen the end of slavery. We would not have seen the abolition of slaves. And so to speak of a voting law or any law as comparable to the Civil War, as if the badness that they think the voting law is, is comparable to the badness of the Civil War, what exactly are they referring to? Are they saying that the abolition of slavery was a catastrophe for our nation? The abolition of slavery was a threat to our democracy? I don't know how to answer that question. Another example is another voting law in Georgia. They don't like it, so they say this is Jim Crow. This is as bad or worse than Jim Crow. Did these people even live during Jim Crow? Now, to be perfectly honest, I did not. I was born in 1970, as the racism of the southern states was beginning to wane. The civil rights movement was still fresh on the books, and this country was again moving forward to a greater realization of the promise of freedom and liberty upon which this nation was founded. But to compare something to a complete systemic racism, another term they love to use is systemic racism, nothing compares to Jim Crow and the systemic racism of the South. And we have not seen anything close to that, and yet they will use that rhetoric. Something doesn't go their way. This is as bad as the Civil War. A policy might get the vote that they don't like, this is as bad as Jim Crow. They don't discuss things. They just ramp up the rhetoric, and it is hyperbole. Another example is you have a politician that you don't like. It's not just enough to simply disagree with those policies. I mean, after all, we are a two-party country, Democrats and Republicans, and there are other smaller parties, libertarians, peace and freedom, constitutional parties, and all of them have their political differences. But do we discuss those political differences in a debate in which the people can decide, or do we try and persuade the people with such rhetoric as, this person's Hitler, his followers are Nazis, and we don't hear any intelligent conversation. Again, we call upon history in what I believe an illicit way, in a way that is of extreme exaggeration. We don't want to discuss our differences. We don't want to debate why one side might be wrong. We just simply say they're Hitler. We simply say they're Nazis. But how many of these people even know the history of Nazi Germany and the dictatorship of Adolf Hitler and what this country fought against during World War II? How many truly appreciate the number of people who were killed in the Holocaust alone, let alone World War II, because of Hitler and the Nazis? Do they have any idea of the kind of tyranny of that dictatorship? Yet we flippantly refer to any leader we disagree with or any political party with whom we have differences as the Nazis or their leaders as Hitler. I wonder if any of these people, and especially their followers, were to be shown a picture of Adolf Hitler. Would they even know it was Hitler? And yet they will still use that extreme rhetoric. Civil War, Jim Crow, Hitler, the Nazis. As a Catholic, I certainly hear people compare things to the Inquisition. And I'm going to throw in, as if that was something bad. I've actually studied some of the history of the Inquisition, and no system was perfect then, and no system is perfect at any given time. 
But the Inquisition was not entirely a bad thing when you look at what it introduced and the society to which it was introduced. Maybe one of these days I will do a podcast and discuss the Inquisition and the ins and outs of what it was about and the history of it, especially the Spanish Inquisition, but the Inquisition in general. But in a nutshell, and if this gets you to look things up, then I'm glad, but in a nutshell, the Inquisition introduced due process to feudal Europe, where the lords and the kings and the monarchs had absolute power over life and death for any reason. The Inquisition brought in a process of inquiry, evaluation, and judgment, specifically to one who was accused of heresy. If a king or a lord wanted to get rid of a bishop or a priest who they did not support or they didn't want, perhaps want to replace them with their own person who supported them, they would simply accuse them of heresy and whip up the mob to have them executed. But the church said, no, if you're going to accuse one of ours of heresy, we will decide if it's heretical. And I can get into that in another time. However, we refer to things flippantly as inquisition, as if it was a bad thing, as if we know what the inquisition was. Many people think they know what it is, but they really don't. And if you want a good book that presents the history of the Inquisition in light of centuries of anti-Catholic history, then I would recommend a book written by a scholar named Rodney Stark entitled Bearing False Witness, Debunking Centuries of Anti-Catholic History. I've read it. I've recommended it. My own archbishop has read it at my recommendation. It's excellent. And it talks about various aspects of church history that are products of anti-Catholic history. And he actually supports the real history behind what he's debunking against the anti-Catholic history. But in many ways, we look at something like what happened to Brett Kavanaugh or, say, Clarence Thomas and what they went through by the political opposition in their nomination to the Supreme Court. And we say, oh, they were put through an inquisition. That is completely inaccurate, but they will use that extreme rhetoric as if they knew what the Inquisition was. But again, in a nutshell, and there may be another podcast dedicated to this, the Inquisition was developed so that something like what happened to Brett Kavanaugh and Clarence Thomas wouldn't happen. What happened to them was not an Inquisition, but the Inquisition would have prevented what happened to them from occurring. And that will whet your appetite. Take a look at the book I recommended. We love talking about colonialism. But again, what was colonialism? Do they know what colonialism was? And do they think the United States and Europe were the only civilizations that engaged in colonialism? Now, of course, as a humanity, we've kind of gotten beyond colonialism, just as we've kind of gotten beyond the general presence of slavery in society. It still exists in a very clandestine manner, but it really, for the most part, doesn't exist in any approved way in our world. As a civilization and a humanity, we've moved on, and we need to appreciate the fact that we've moved on. We're no longer oriented toward colonialism. We engage in free trade with other nations. We no longer engage in slave labor, at least not out in the open. In places where it does exist, it's disapproved almost universally around the world, and efforts are made to put an end to it. 
So using these aspects of history as points of comparison to things we don't like today is extremely inaccurate and in many ways speaks to the ignorance that people have toward history. We may disagree with someone politically, but they are not Hitler and the Nazis. We may disagree with a policy, but it is not Jim Crow when you look at the facts and you look at the current events and you know the history of Jim Crow. We may disagree with a certain group, even in the midst of a time in which we are a divided nation, but we are not facing something anywhere near what we faced in the Civil War because our nation is still intact and we are still engaging in that debate, or at least those of us who are allowed to engage in that debate without having to face the extreme rhetoric of being called names. But for me, this is not just a question of my own personal political views, and I have them. I'm not going to get into them because that's not what this podcast is about. What I take exception to is the calling upon historical events and institutions of the past in order to engage in extreme rhetoric against something we simply disagree with and against something we disagree with on a political or social or ethical, cultural, moral level. So those are just a few of my thoughts this week. And I hope you find at least the references that they give, if not blatantly irritating, at least interesting. And hopefully provoke you to learn the history that they are invoking in this debate, in their extreme rhetoric, because it is hyperbole. You want to learn about the Civil War? Ken Burns has a great documentary from the early 1990s. I would say perhaps now it has become a classic in documentaries. That is a great resource of learning about the Civil War, what it involved, what it was about, and what it did to and for our country. It features an author named Shelby Foote, whose trilogy I think I mentioned last week, I had the pleasure of reading very thick books, each one about a thousand pages long, but it's a trilogy on the history of the Civil War. And it's an excellent history. You want to learn about the Civil War? Read about the Civil War. Don't just let leaders or public figures or media pundits reference the Civil War as if we know what they're talking about, because a lot of people don't know what they are talking about. And the more we learn about history, the more we realize how ludicrous these comparisons are. If it is something we are concerned about, okay. If it's something we disagree with, okay. But don't compare to something to which it really doesn't compare it to. A voting law in a state is not the same as the Civil War. Is not the same as states seceding in order to keep slavery intact. We will never go back to slavery. The Constitution has been amended, and it will never happen. A voting law is not Jim Crow. The Constitution has been amended, and the Jim Crow restrictions to voting have been done away with and cannot constitutionally be restored. So learn the facts of whatever it is they are opposing or promoting, and learn the history, so that when they compare these things to these historical events we will know that they are in fact engaging in hyperbole. But most importantly, learn your history. Learn the history of this country. Don't say that the Constitution protected slavery. Read the Constitution. Don't say this country was founded on slavery. Learn about this nation's founding. 
Don't compare something to the Civil War. Learn about the Civil War. Don't compare something to Jim Crow. Learn about what Jim Crow was. Don't compare some person or some group to Hitler and the Nazis. Read up on World War II and what caused it and what we were fighting against. Don't bash someone for issues of colonialism. Read up on what colonialism was. And know that Western Europe was not the only civilization that engaged in it. So learn your history. And don't allow fiery rhetoric to blindside you into thinking something is comparable to a historical event in which it really doesn't hold much of a candle. So lest I ramble on too much on this particular topic, I just wanted to share those thoughts today. So let me leave you with learn your history, read your history, know your history. And that way, we won't be fodder for anyone, be it a leader, a media pundit, or any kind of public speaker or public figure, when they make comparisons toward things in history that really are inappropriate. And when all is said and done, seek to take advantage of our ignorance of that history. So thank you for listening. If you get a chance, visit my website, www.frbillnicholas.com. Visit my YouTube page, where I have my homilies, and other catechetical videos. Thank you for listening to my podcast, and with any luck, I'll talk to you again soon.